Good morning, and welcome to HR Examiner's Executive Conversations. I'm your host, John Sumter, and today we're going to be talking with Johanna, who is now the Chief Strategy Officer at Workforce Logic. Uh, he managed to sell engaged talent into Workforce Logic, and the paired highly expanded, highly interesting company is is where he is resting his bones these days. Joe, how are you? Fantastic. Um, happy almost holidays, John. Yeah, happy almost holiday indeed. Indeed. So, so um, why don't you tell me a little bit about how you ended up here? This is this is this is a pretty remarkable story for my money. So, so, so let's have the Johanna story. <laughs> I appreciate that, John. And uh, you know, I'm I'm gonna focus really on the on the past five six years here because that's what's most re- relevant to uh, your audience and and people who have uh, as much attention span as 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 I do. Uh, but we there started working on on the engage what became the engage project uh, back in late 2013, early 2014. Uh, the idea back then was focused on uh, skills gaps, helping companies match people with the right roles, identify where there may be gaps, maybe do something about those gaps using technology and identifying uh, opportunities for, for people to be better qualified for jobs and, and generally approach matching people with jobs by looking at their skills, the functions they held in the past instead of titles and synonyms and, and keywords, uh, the, the way it was done, uh, historically done and still being done by, by many organizations and, and technologies today. Uh, and that evolved and pivoted a few times until we uh, came to the, the scalable and, and what became widely adopted uh, engaged platform uh, and, and with Engage, we, we help companies with three areas. Number one, uh, with market intelligence that covers labor uh, market intelligence as well as competitive intelligence, understanding where they sit versus their competitors, uh, where the market is going, uh, what does the supply of different skills look like, what are the most valuable skills, what are the new skills, how are different titles are, are evolving in the market, and what does uh, quote unquote, uh, future of work may be telling us on what skills are needed and what's, uh, what what people are are uh, uh, are working on today. Uh, the, the second pillar is taking that and um, and and make it more. I don't want to say tactical, but execution oriented recruiting and sourcing, uh, whether that's pipeline building. Identifying people who are more likely to be interested in your company and more likely to be uh, open to engagement with the recruiter today, more likely to change jobs in the next 920 days. Uh, identifying why that is and translate that to messaging and campaigns that increase the, the likelihood that they're going to engage with, with those candidates. Uh, and then the third bucket, which is uh, kind of the flip coin to all of that, is utilizing all that intelligence, whether it's about you as a company, your competitors, what's happening in the market, as well as the, the algorithms and machine learning that identify um, people who are likely to change jobs. Use all of that internally and uh, leverage it for better engagement, for better communication programs, uh, for, for identifying where you need to pipeline and where you may need succession planning, for example. So that's that's what 
Engage ended up uh, being as a platform. Um, and um, you know, we, we, we had uh, about 150 customers or so split between enterprises as well as uh, staffing and, and search firms. Uh, so that, that's where uh, what, what Engage uh, was earlier this year. And as we go through our journey, uh, the, the company was not uh, for sale. We were not in a process. Um, but um, through mutual connections and, and knowledge of each other in the market, uh, the, uh, the discussion started with workforce logic. And I you know, can tell you we, we know a lot of services companies. We work with them uh, every day, MSPs, RPOs. Um, I don't think that there is any other company out there uh, that took very deterministic, very specific uh, steps in recruiting an executive team as well as um, uh, focusing on innovation as well as investment in innovations as Workforce Logic did in the past two years. Uh, so this is a company in a uh, in uh, generally, um, you know, an industry that hasn't innovated much. Uh, MSV RPO has been somewhat stagnant in the industry for a while. Uh, they went out there and uh, brought in an executive team that understood the value of data, the value of innovation, uh, the value of automation and predicting uh, instead of reacting to market realities and how all that can transform business, whether it's HR business or otherwise. Um, and as you know, there isn't that many services companies you go out there and look at, especially the, you know, the big boys, they are one of the uh, bakers dozen, um, that list how many patents they have in, in you know, the second slide when you're talking to them or how many innovations they are working on. So it was um, love from first, first sight, if you will. Innovation is, is our DNA. Um, and we, we found uh, the discussion with them to be fluid. We were finishing each other's sentences on what technology can do. Uh, and then most importantly, how can services uh, on top of technology can really change how solutions are delivered, delivered to a customer. Uh, so we um, went through a, a five, six months process. We uh, officially became one company uh, six weeks ago, seven, seven weeks ago now, uh, and uh, we are out executing. And, and the early indications is that uh, was maybe one of the um, better um, acquisitions mergers that happened in our market in the past few years. Well, I, I, I hope I hope it works well. Let me let me just try to summarize a little bit what you said. So engaged talent um, um, is slash was a company that's focused on predicting a number of things about the labor market. Um, in particular, it, it is good at predicting the likelihood that a particular person will leave their job in some specific time frame, or um, as a part of that, that they would be interested in hearing about new opportunities. So it's sort of um, predicting the likelihood of success of a recruiter's outreach to a person. And then that data becomes very interesting in the aggregate as competitive intelligence about competitors and also interesting intelligence about the evolution of the market as a whole. So you can start to see movement and predict movement 
inside of the labor force. And, and these are the sort of core predictive capabilities of, of engaged talent. I get that right? Uh, 100%. Uh, you know, we like to, to say that we, we do it in four pillars, if you will, um, starting from a person level, understanding the likelihood that they're going to change jobs or be open to a recruiter outreach, um, why and how to be effective with this outreach. Second, aggregate that at a company level, understand how the company is going to fare versus its competitors in attracting or churning people in the next 90 to 120 days and why. And then aggregate that at their industry level and all the way to macro labor market level where we're able to do things like forecast um, unemployment rates and, and a lot of what the BLS produces in the results report uh, with high level of accuracy weeks before it's officially published. Okay. And then, and then the integration with Workforce Logic. So Workforce Logic is an RPO, and that means that, that the company at its heart um, is an outsourcing solution for companies with big needs in the recruiting marketplace. So, so they do recruiting for their clients. Um, and um, the object of fitting engage in, I would guess, is that by being able to accurately target um, likely successes in the recruiting process, they're able to come to the market with higher productivity rates and reduced costs. Is that the basic idea? Uh, so Workforce Logic is uh, both an MSP uh, focusing on contingent workers as well as a um, uh, a rising star in the RPO market, uh, but traditionally they they were an MSP, and that's the area they focused on. Um, the where force where workforce logic seeing the market and what they are attempting to deliver to the market is what we're calling universal sourcing. That covers full time staff. It covers contingent staff as well as gig and freelance workers. And we're taking very specific steps in each one of those to be the partner of choice for customers in all three areas. Uh, so full-time uh, RPO type, type relationships that's powered by Engage, powered by other services and, and other technologies that, uh, that we're building, other alliances and partnerships that we're putting together uh, that's that's a no-brainer. Uh, the MSP and contingent work is, is an interesting one. That's the company's heritage, and we have a lot of data. Uh, we we manage about three billion dollars worth of spend in that area for you know, from the marquee um, marquee customer key companies, Fortune 500s, and, and the world. And we're using some of this data in addition to engage capabilities to change how we target and identify uh, and optimize the contingent targeting as well as SOWs and putting them together in, uh, uh, for the customer to deliver projects. Um, and I, you know, I'm gonna talk more about some of the work we're doing there because it's, uh, it really is pretty cool. Uh, and then the third is the gig and freelance um, um, economy and uh, that has been 
so far somewhat of a uh, wild west, if you would, uh, how companies are engaging with gig workers or freelancers. Uh, and we are bringing in uh, partnerships with the likes of Upwork and uh, compliance programs and program management that's sitting on top of that to be able to streamline it for our customers as well. So universal sourcing is a, is a strategy, and we're filling in each one of each one of those spaces by the right tech and right services. So I think the the stuff with contingent workers and the gig economy. That's new to me. That, that that's going to be fascinating if you can predict movement inside of inside of that world. That's a that's that's a different set of rhythms than a standard sort of career thing that you've been focused on all these years. You must be pretty excited. That's, yeah. that's a new horizon. We we are, uh, and if uh, you can you can see the big smile on my face right now, maybe you can hear it. Um, you know, what one of the things that make um, data people um, um, really excited is proprietary data and uh, data that no one else has access to that they can build models on top of that that becomes very that become very differentiated and with now our you know being part of workforce logic we have access to huge amounts of proprietary data that no one else has. And one of the first things that we started working on together, and we actually put out a press release about that a couple of weeks ago, uh, is a way to predict if someone would be open to contingent engagement or not. Um, and traditionally, if that person wasn't, hasn't worked for you in the past, uh, or hasn't raised their hand and applied to a, a job that is contingent in nature, uh, no one knew whether someone will be open to that idea or not. Um, we are about to release this in a couple of weeks here by, uh, by the holidays, um, and it will be in the hands of our teams and customers, but we are predicting, based on all the millions of people who we now know were contingent in the past, uh, what patterns uh, lead to a person becoming contingent, continuing to be contingent, or moving from a, a traditional full-time role to contingent? And and think about it. That is, you know, depending on who who you ask, that between contingent and gig, that is going to be bigger than full-time in in the next five years. Uh, and there isn't that many. Actually, there is very few solutions out there or companies that are attempting to do anything creative and innovative in that area. So, yes, very exciting, uh, definitely uh, kind of leading the new market, same way we, we, we really came, came at the full-time uh, market with, with a different approach. Well, I'm going I'm to be anxious to see what the results are as you go through that. So, so you've been at this a while, right? You, you, are, you are pioneering in the idea that you can take a – um, I don't know. I think I think one time you told me that you had forty thousand data sources uh, uh, that flow into your models for how people move in the labor market, um, and and so you've learned the ins and outs of some things. What's changed in the way you think about how the intelligent technologies work? Oh, um, let's say so. I'll, I'll, let me stop by this. I will I will say that um, 
customers did not care about the technology as much as they care about the solution. Um, so over over the past four or five years, as we worked on this project, uh, I talked. We, we just uh, we did the calculation the other day, and I, I believe I talked about three thousand companies um, about the the topic of uh, recruiting, about using predictive analytics in in talent acquisition and HR in general. Um, and the common theme that I would say I learned out of that is companies like to hear about technology, but they don't have, not all of them, necessarily have the capabilities to understand how to adopt it, integrate it, um, turn it into a consistent source of solving a certain solution. Uh, so we end up with, uh, with what we see in a lot of HR departments today where we have 15 to 20 different tools that are thrown around, and um, it's left up to you know teams to whether use them or not. Um, and then by the end of the year, they look at what what worked, what didn't work, and here is a new shiny object, something new. Let's go adopt that. Let's implement it. Let's buy some licenses and see whether it works or not. Um, I think where what we matured to, especially over the past year or so is a team that focuses a lot more on whether the customer is the right customer for our tech or not, and then how they're going to adopt it, implement it, manage the change management and behavior change that needs to go with adopting new technology, how it's gonna integrate in their workflow, how they're going to change the workflow to make the technology work for them. Um, so whether it's AI or any other technology, I think we're we're coming to the conclusion as a um, as an ecosystem here that AI is not going to solve major problems by itself. It still needs to be put in the hands of the right people, and it needs to be implemented correctly, and it needs to be adopted and integrated for it to deliver the solution. Um, I would say that that maybe is the biggest change in how I'm thinking about the AI impact um, on delivering actual results uh, over, the, over the past few years. So, so I think what you just said is that th there are two factors limiting um, um, the sort of pace at which technology enters the market. Thing one is... Um, Customers don't really buy technology, they buy solutions to problems. Um, and thing two is what it's possible to do with machine learning and artificial intelligence may not be as expansive as it looked five years ago. You can do more interesting, complex things, um, but the the sort of implication that we had five years ago that, that there would be some sort of super intelligence in the thing sitting on your desk is being replaced by the idea that there are these smart tools that require human beings to integrate them. Is that, that a good summary of what you just said? 
Yeah, uh, that's that's very well put. Um, I would summarize it in in maybe one sentence. I'd say they are AI coaching tools, AI assistance, AI um, supporting platforms, but they are not here to completely replace anything that a human is needs to do at the end of the day to make their job successful. They will take pieces of the of the job and pieces of the role, make them a lot more efficient, crunch through a lot more data than we can crunch through on our own, uh, deliver results on top of on, on, in front of us that we can leverage. But the key is, I need to leverage them, and I need to. They are not going to replace me. I need to go actually do something with the results. So that's that's interesting. How just out of curiosity, how do you teach um, uh, your clients to use the results, right? Because you give a prediction, and a prediction is like you, you go to Las Vegas and you understand the odds, but no matter how you understand the odds, you could lose forty times in a row, and the odds are still the odds, right? And so, so the thing that we're that we're talking about is teaching people to use um, probabilistic information, the odds, uh, to make decisions in a world where that was all done by gut hunch. Um, how do you how do you teach people to not blame the machine and take responsibility for the decision while you queue up a good uh, um, softball for them to hit? Um. It is about changing workflows. So if your workflow today was to, let's take a, a very simplistic workflow. I have a rec and um, one of the avenues I decided to take is to uh, find a building, a passive candidate outreach campaign for that rec, one of the funnels that I'm, I'm using to, uh, to get candidates for this rec. Um, something that we, we all, you know, a lot of our teams do every day. Uh, traditional way, I'm going to look in my database, find people who are uh, likely a fit for this role. Uh, I will go look on social media and identify people who are likely fit to that role. And then I will use some sort of my own assessment of looking at someone's profile to identify whether they may be interested in this or not. Um, and that's how I'm bringing down 1,000 people to maybe a manageable 200. And then I'm going to build likely a, a very templatized campaign that I'm copying and pasting or just pushing a button and sending the same message to everybody, changing maybe the name of, uh, of, them, of who it's going to. And wait for somebody to respond. Traditionally, that's how we approach that, that part of the process. What we're able to do is something with, with, with Engage, for example, and other technologies that are coming in this space is number one, identify people who may have not been identified with traditional matching technologies. They may be are part of companies that have that have this technology stack, but not necessarily have they don't necessarily have that in their profiles or uh, in their resumes or in your database. Refresh 
the data that you have about them so you have the most up-to-date contact information and ways to go after them. Um, expand your pool by tar targeting people who may be by now qualified for this role, but they are not holding the same exact title. They may be one step below or can make can use a lateral move. So number one, identify people that you otherwise would not have identified or would have taken you a lot longer to identify using human human brute force brute force if you are if you would. Um, second, now you have that pool of thousand people, prioritizing who to go after becomes a very mundane task and becomes somewhat random and somewhat based on everyone's experience and every recruiter's experience is different. We're automating that for you, giving you better odds than most. Um, third, what to say to them. We're using templates. Well, let's not use templates. Let's use what machines are suggesting that this person is likely to respond to by looking at thousands of points about them, about their companies, about their peers, about what's happening in the market today, or maybe what's even what the weather is in, in, in their current location today. Um, so you're changing a workflow by informing the human who, at the end of the day, is the one who will have to establish the connection with that person by informing them uh, in ways that were not possible before. And, and if they do not buy into that, if you do not help them understand the value of how changing the workflow is going to really change in, in their, their day and make it a lot more efficient, then you failed. Um, so adoption, training, uh, change management, uh, planning, success stories, um, team implementations, not just one person at a time. All those become just as important to this as they were in you know, implementing ERP systems uh, 20 years ago. Okay. Um, huh. So the ethical problems in the business are what? <laughs> uh, how much time do we have? <laughs> well, um, well, we don't we don't have much, but 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 it's it's an interesting arena, and so so you you probably have enough time to to give me the tiniest nutshell on, on what the ethical issues are. Yep, um, you know there was a um, a, a, um, a survey um, that the um, the Institute of the Future of Life. Really cool institution, by the way, institution, by the way that I uh, I suggest that anyone who's interested in in the impact of machines and AI on what our future would look like. Uh, I really recommend that you follow you follow these guys, uh, funded by uh, some of the very smart people in the world and and being led by professors and researchers in the area. Um, so they, they they did a research. Uh, and, and survey of practitioners in the AI space uh, about uh, a year ago or so uh, to ask them what are the top ethical issues that you see in in AI, um, and they came they came up with with a few, but the, the top three that maybe impact us the most uh, in in our area: one, replacing humans with AI and intelligence that will take away our jobs or things that we do every day. Uh, so we need to think through that. Uh, second, 
is carrying human bias into these models. We are all biased in a certain way, in certain situations, in different very in, in, in different degrees. Um, it's it's we do that every day in our life, whether we are conscious of it or not. Um, and uh, the risk there is that we will train these models to follow our uh, bias in ways that uh, uh, that we cannot undo. Um, the the and and again, but you know the the fact that we're training them using historical data is is where the biggest risk is because you're taking decisions that you remade uh, that may have been biased and telling them learn from that. So that's uh, that, that's that's a big one. Um, the, the third one, which is which is quite interesting, and it will actually maybe a topic for for a different discussion is how AI may increase the gap between wealthy nations and otherwise, wealthy individuals and otherwise, not fix that gap. So those are three things that um, came out of that study that I, I think are worthy of, of the separate discussion, but um, definitely something that we think about every day. Good. If you'll send me uh, a pointer to that study, I'll publish it in the notes for the uh, radio show. That, that would be very helpful. I'm sure there are lots of people who are listening who would love to see it. Um, sure. Yeah, we do. That'd be great. Okay. So, so we have exhausted our time together. As as always, it's a deep dive into the um, uh, mystical realms of real data science. Um, Thanks for taking the time to do it. Would you take a moment and reintroduce yourself and tell people how to get a hold of you? Yep. T thank you, um, John. And uh, and yes, time flies when we're talking as usual. Uh, Joseph Hanna, I'm the Chief Strategy Officer of Workforce Logic, Managing Director of Engaged Talent, which is now part of the Workforce Logic family. Um, you can you can find me on our website, engagedtalent.com. Uh, feel free to drop me a note directly at joe.hanna at engagedtalent.com. Thanks, Joe. It's been a great conversation. We've been talking to Joe Hanna, who is the Chief Strategy Officer at Workforce Logic. Um, thanks again for taking the time, Joe, and thanks for tuning in today. We will talk to you same time next week. Bye-bye now. <laughs>